Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today we're talking about navigating job challenges, which is an aspect of life that can be universally difficult, whether you're facing job loss, trying to find a job, navigating a tough industry, tough colleagues, tough bosses, or simply having a hard time believing in yourself and finding your way at work. Our guest is Mehul Anand of Georgia, who has been practicing Buddhism since she was a teenager. Today, she shares the ups and downs of her career, which is currently in tech, and the deep lessons her Buddhist practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo allowed her to learn along the way. I'll let Mehul share the rest. My name is Mehul Anand, and I am um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and yeah. So excited to be here. Amazing. And what do you do? I am a senior client partner with a tech firm. So I manage um, some of the large accounts for the organization. So I know we'll get into to work in a little bit, but I always like to start um, with Buddhism so that we know who we're talking to and what your own journey with Buddhism was. So if you could just briefly share the story of how you encountered SGI Nietzsche and Buddhism, and then when you did encounter it, like why were you interested to try chanting? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think I've like looked back at my life and thought, like when was the exact point that I really encountered this practice? But it was back in uh, Delhi in India, which is where I grew up. And somebody in my neighborhood actually spoke to my mom about this practice. And we were going through a really tough time at that point in time as a family. We were going through a lot of, you know, financial struggles and everything. So my mom wanted to check it out. I was in high school at the time. So I went with her for a meeting. And I remember that day so clearly in my in my head. It was a Sunday afternoon. Um, and when I reached the house of this member where the meeting was being held, it was like that when I first time heard Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, it just brought such peace to my heart as a 16, 17 year old that I didn't expect. And actually, surprisingly, my mom didn't decide to really join the practice, but I did. <laughs> and um, so that is really the point that, you know, my my practice started. And then I, I, you know, I told my mom that, you know, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But do you mind if I do? And, you know, she was, you know, absolutely supportive, my family. And uh, that's how my journey really started. Amazing. Very young age. Um, do you remember like initially uh, essentially what kept you chanting? Because I'm, you know, trying it is one thing, but then deciding like I want this to be part of my daily practice. Yeah, I think initially, you know, everyone said, you know, you can get whatever you want. And with this practice, and I remember I always said, no, there's nothing that I really want. All I just wanted to feel is peace. And I think that's the reason that I continued even practicing because every time I chanted was the only time of my day that I felt hope in my life. And at the time, uh, now when I look back, I realized that I even decided to continue chanting is because I think I was going through a lot of like mental anguish and turmoil within my life as a you know 17 year old. I think when you are growing up in a you know middle class family, when you're like you know a woman in like the 90s when a lot of these opportunities don't seem as accessible and you have these great goals and you know you look around yourself and you feel like your friends have it easier or they know what they want and then you look at your life and you feel I'll never make it and having that sort of doubt I think all of that together without me even realizing it brought a lot of anxiety from within my life and it created a lot of suffering for me within my life and I think mental health was not so much spoken about at the time. It wasn't about, it's not like you're depressed, just like you're just being lazy or, you know, you're just, you know, um, mm. wanting to escape a situation. So I think Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, when I encountered it, was the only time that I felt hope in my life. And, you know, that is why I continued chanting. And I think initially I said those things to members because I didn't believe this was powerful enough to change a situation for a person like me. 
So mm-hmm. every time they asked me, you know, um, you can get whatever you want. And I was like, no, no, I don't want anything. It wasn't that I didn't want, it's that I didn't believe that this practice could truly enable me to transform my life. But mm-hmm. I think initially I continued because it just gave me hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally understand. Um, And it's actually, it's interesting that you brought that up because, uh, I mean, we've covered this in the past on the podcast, but that the idea that you can like get stuff or pursue benefits or um, material or immaterial things like using Buddhism seems a little bit counterintuitive, but what you're touching on is actually it is like an incredible process of you having to transform yourself and take tough action sometimes, which we'll get into also. So thank you for uh, that yeah. context. Um, so so I want to get into today's topic. And um, as we mentioned on the phone or we spoke on the phone, you know, there, there's a lot going on currently, you know, in the news about layoffs happening in the tech industry. And I know that you work in tech, but I want to have a little bit of a broader conversation because it feels like a moment in which to address how much suffering job transitions can cause us, no matter whether you're being laid off or you're like trying to break into an industry you don't know how to break into, or you're suffering on account of your colleagues or your boss, or you're just feeling lost, or you're an international worker and you don't have a visa, like the things kind of, the list goes on. Mm. And I know that you have had all kinds of experiences with work. So I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to speak today. But before we, um, jump into like that question do you mind just giving me like a a really brief overview of sort of your trajectory like industry-wise work-wise experiences like what is who are we talking to what do you do and then we'll dig into specific experiences yes um you know I've not had a very um typical work trajectory I think um like from a young age, I knew what I broadly wanted to do, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to work in the field of like corporate. I mean, that's so broad, um, but that's all I knew. Like, was was it going to be marketing? Was it going to be business? Was it going to be HR? I had like no idea. And then what kind of work? So I think I really started from a point where I don't think I had a lot of clarity of what I really wanted to do in my life. All I wanted to know was how I wanted to feel when I went to work. I wanted to feel successful. I wanted to feel accomplished. And I think in my head, as naive as it was, I felt like, oh, it has to be like business because that's what I saw around me. So I think that's how it really started. So I did my um, schooling and my undergraduation in India, and I studied economics and mathematics in my undergrad. And then I went for my master's. Um, I did my master's in management and marketing. Um, and I went to study in the UK. And uh, then um, when I came back, I actually started, actually, it was a really difficult time for me because I was still struggling through an economy uh, you know, which was dealing with the aftermaths of the, you know, the 2008 recession. So even when I came back from my master's to di- try to look for a job, honestly, I couldn't find one. Ideally, I would have liked to work uh, in the UK and get a job, but the economy was so bad that I couldn't find a job. And um, then I went to kind of study a little bit further, thinking that, okay, let me study more if I couldn't find it, but moved back to India. And um, I actually started helping out with this small startup. That's how I kind of started. And it was really because I couldn't find the job that I really wanted. So at that point in time, uh, you know, I was encouraged to take the a job and then try to be my best at that job. And eventually I would find my path, which I didn't believe at the time, but I would, I think that's how it kind of worked out for me later on in my life. And then I kind of joined the hotel industry where I was managing clients for them. And then I really, then I got a job in Dubai and I moved to Dubai uh, to work. I worked there for seven years and it was in Dubai that I actually stumbled into tech. Uh, that was not the industry I had thought about, but I truly feel that it was because of my practice, because of, you know, chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo that, you know, brought about clarity in my life, even when I wasn't explicitly, you know, chanting for it. And when I stumbled upon tech, I joined through sales and then slowly I grew on to taking partnership roles and uh, 2019, I moved to the US and um, went through one year and three months of unemployment. And then I got a job in tech again. So that's broadly been the trajectory of my life. So 
didn't nothing went how I planned for it to go. <laughs> yes, very, very real. Um, I love, I love, yeah, the honesty that you share that with, and I want to unpack pieces of it. Um, but I, I want to start with kind of a broader question because you know, for anybody who's listening, whether or not they practice Buddhism essentially these ups and downs that you've touched on um, when you are navigating job changes, whether that means, you know, I'm not getting the job that I want and now I have to do something else or um, I'm at risk of losing a job. Um, and therefore, I mean, sounds like you may have experienced this losing a visa or not getting a visa if you're an international worker. Um, it can be a cause of tremendous suffering. So uh, you mentioned that it's like your Buddhist practice that helped you navigate all of this. And I'm wondering if there was like any kind of crucial experience or starting point where you started to learn how your practice and navigating some kind of suffering or challenge along these lines, you know, work together. Yeah, I think there were actually many instances along that path, because when I started practicing initially, like I said, I didn't know how the practice worked. I only knew that chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo made me feel peace or it gave me hope, but I didn't really understand how it operated or how powerful Nam Yoho Renge Kyo was. So I think during this, and I think work is such an integral part of our lives that somewhere, you know, we're always wanting to see if something works, we want to see the impact of that in our work life, because, you know, work and finances are an important part. But I think one of the core, um, you know, experiences that I deeply remember and I remind myself of every time is, um, you know, in 2014, uh, when I changed my job and I entered this tech industry for the first time, uh, one thing I was very clear in my head is, oh, I don't want to enter sales. Like, you know, I want to do that. I don't know. You know, it's just something that I had in my in my mind. So even when I took the job, it was not a very sales job. It was a more product focused job. Um, and I remember that um, I was still learning and understanding more about this practice. But when I got this job, I remember a couple of days before that, I was chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo a lot, you know, much more than I ever had done, really challenging my life and thinking like, wow, this is going to bring me luck and benefit. And, you know, I'm starting this job, so I need all the fortune that I can as I walk in and, you know, create that impression. And I remember the first day that I walked into my job, it's like my then manager walked up to me and said, oh, you're going to move to media sales. And I remember I looked at her in that moment. I felt so discouraged and so disappointed. <clears throat> and I think a part of that was, A, you know, that's not what I wanted. But B, I was like, I really chanted. Like, this is not <laughs> what it's supposed to do. <laughs> so, you know, I moved. And I remember I went back um, to one of my seniors in faith, uh, you know, who had been really supporting me. And I asked her this question and she just said, just continue and you'll see the meaning of why this happened in your life. Just have patience and have courage. Um, so I, you know, continued chanting despite however I felt, um, because honestly, I had no other choice. I was alone in a foreign land and I was like, OK, I need something to really hold on to. I was really struggling. And you will not believe it, but I joined this job in like August and December were the first set of mass layoffs that my company saw. I experienced three mass layoffs in that tech company in my in my time. And it was uh, literally like I walked into the office and there were like two groups of people and we didn't know which group of people was going to be let go off that day. So, wow. you know, it was definitely very overwhelming. And then I realized that the team that I was originally meant to join, that entire team was let go off. And it was just me on that day uh, who had for, I have no idea for what reason had been transferred to media sales. Mm -hmm. And I actually realized that day that, you know, that was a protection of, you know, the law, which is, you know, Nam Yoho Renge Kyo that had come to me in my life at that point in time. So I stopped questioning how this works from that point on. And I really tried to adopt the attitude that if something is not working out for me, then it is a protection for my life. It's just that I'm not able to see it yet. Uh, but that is like one of the core experiences where I realized like, okay, this is not a uh, you know, how Nam Yoho Renge Kyo works is not always a very, you know, a proportional relationship. It's not that I, I chanted, you know, X number of hours and did this and this is what the outcome should be. But it enables you to achieve and win in your life in ways that is beyond your comprehension. Because mm -hmm. eventually we don't know what the future holds. But when you latch on to something, you know, 
powerful, like then it enables you to, without even you knowing or wanting it, but it puts your life on the right path and the right trajectory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, what a wild experience. Um, yeah, okay, so I, this is so interesting. And I, and I want to try to unpack this because you're touching on something that can be quite difficult to understand if you haven't experienced it. Um, but this idea of protection in Buddhism it's like very different than it is in other religions or practices, right? Because on the surface, it can sound like, um, uh, you know, an external force is protecting you or, you know, superstition or something like that. But it's none of those things because Buddhism is extremely practical. Um, so if it, it just, you know, in case anyone's listening and they're like, I didn't follow how those two things connected, like, what do you mean by protection and why would you be protected? Um how like is that something that you've had to like study to understand or what what do you mean by that just so we can kind of um piece it together for someone who's new yes yes i think uh, that's a very good point and i think definitely i had to study a lot this is not an understanding <laughs> that i reached in my first months or even a couple of years of my practice but i think it's important in buddhism and actually you know, I realized this again in that same year of my life. Um, I realized that there were a lot of challenges that were very, had repeated patterns in my life. And one of them was my work. Uh, I constantly felt that, you know, deep down, I was struggling with a similar situation, not getting the work that I wanted, not being happy, you know, I was struggling. And um, in general, I think the response of my life to any situation, like, you know, how you can fight, flight or freeze, uh, my response to everything in life was to flight. I thought like, if I just leave this this situation, if I leave this person, if I leave this country, I'm going to be fine. So I operated on a very flight mode for a long time in my life. But when I actually moved to Dubai and um, I experienced similar situations, I was like, wait a minute, my 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 strategy, this this is this is not working. Something is deeper. And I remember at that point in time, one of my leaders actually explained to me the concept of karma. Um, and, you know, she kind of said that, um, you know, you know, you karma is within your own life. You cannot escape it no matter where you run. So no matter where you run, you land into similar situations. And I think a lot of this protection kind of stems from this concept of karma, that everything that is, you know, happening you know, to us or around us, um, you know, is a reflection of the karma, which is, you know, past actions, that actions um, impact or effects of actions that we've created in our past or that we even continue to do today. So every, I think it's, it's like a law of physics, right? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, I think. So everything in life settles in the form of of karma. And so when I say protection, it means that you know, some sort of uh, impact that I might have received in a much lighter form in my life. So, you know, for example, in that situation, maybe it would have led to me being let go of. But on that day, you know, that karma that actually came to me because, you know, of my practice in a lighter form as probably just like a change of a, of a team. So, you know, in Buddhism, there is a, you know, concept of karmic retribution to receive the heavy in a lighter form. And, uh, you know, also want to share that I think karma, again, is not something to be initially, I I also was a little bit fearful of karma, you know, just the word because it sounds so heavy. And it feels like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to get into, you know, karma. But eventually, I kind of realized that karma is nothing but, um, you know, the way that we operate in our lives. You know, so the way that we think about a situation, the way we respond to things, everyone responds differently to the same situation based on the karma that is, you know, in their lives. It impacts the way they think about things. So which essentially means that if you are able to transform, you know, which is what we call undergo a human revolution, if you can transform how you think about situations and undergo that internal change, then you can actually change the situation in your life. So eventually everything is in your own control. And I think that is what took me time to understand instead of being fearful of it to be like, oh, I can control this. I can actually just undergo changes within the depths of my life to change the way my destiny you know, shapes out. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, and I, yeah, I want to circle back to that in a bit, but I, I, I will do that later because I want to also ask, um, just thinking back to the trajectory that you shared. So, like, if I'm hearing correctly, you know, there's one turning point was beginning to understand like how this practice works through this initial experience that you had in Dubai, where it, it's almost like something that looks bad on the surface may or may not be one depending on our attitude towards it and like what we decide to do with it um and b like when you're committed to long-term buddhist practice you do end up being in the right place for your life whether it looks like you want it to look or not which which is kind of hard hard pill to swallow but once you've experienced it because i have too you're you're like oh wow everything is adding up in a way that was ultimately for the best um but I also want to uh, ask a little bit about the period you mentioned of unemployment. So when you moved to the U.S., um, if you could just share a little bit of that story, because that's like a whole different kind of struggle, if, especially if you're looking for work or you want to work or, um, you know, there are circumstances that prevent you from doing so. So what happened there and what was your Buddhist practice like? Yes, um, I think I've been through, you know, because I walked outside of India since I was, you know, 21, 22 is when I left home. And then I first moved to Dubai, which is also a very, uh, a country where, it, you know, I mean, you have to have a visa to work. If, and if you don't have employment, you can't stay in the country. You have to leave within 30 days. And mm-hmm. I experienced that as well, you know, because when I first moved to Dubai, I um, joined this, you know, job that really was not working out for me. It was... Um, I, I want to say one of the hardest periods of my life and the kind of work that I did over there was something that I did not love or enjoy at all. So to go up and to go get up and to go to work that you don't enjoy can be a very different challenge. And uh, when I was switching my job, so I left that job and I had 30 days to find another job, um, mm-hmm. which is how I stumbled upon this tech company job. Um, I actually was literally, I think, in the last week uh, of my of my 30 day period when I came across this this particular job. So I'd experienced that once before in my life where I had like a very limited number of days to find another job to stay in the country. I think and that was a different sort of a challenge. I think facing that sort of unemployment when I came to the U.S. was a little bit different because I felt like um, it, it took me by surprise. I didn't I didn't expect it. And um, also, I truly feel because of, of course, because of the actions that we make, because in Buddhism, everything is rooted in reason and logic. So it's not that we chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo and everything just keeps moving. It's a lot about, you know, for example, one of the things that kept close to my heart is, you know, at your work, do the, you know, work of three people, but in your faith, do the work of one person. So, you know, it's basically a sort of a guideline for being an indispensable asset, you know, at your workplace, no matter what. And I've always applied that. So I've always taken action. But the wisdom of taking that action has, you know, come from my Buddhist practice and the courage to keep going on is coming from my Buddhist practice. So when I left Dubai, I felt like, oh, I had really climbed the ladder. I felt like I had changed, you know, this karma, this aspect of my life about work. I had reached like, you know, the top of my field. So I thought when I moved to the U.S., you know, I was, you know, still feeling very, oh, I'm going to move to the US and I know I'll take a break for three or four months. It'll be a sabbatical and then I'll start working again. And I was excited about it. But when I moved over here, uh, within three months, I moved in November of 2019 and then the pandemic hit. And so my immigration work was indefinitely delayed, mm-hmm. uh, which meant I had no hope of when I would receive my immigration status. And it meant I could not work. It, it didn't mean I could not work. I, I could not work. I could not drive. Uh, and if you live in Georgia or anywhere outside of New York, you understand how important driving can be to be independent. I could not travel. I couldn't leave the country. So essentially, I felt very stuck in my life. But the thing that brought me the most amount of grief was and suffering was that I couldn't work. I couldn't earn money. I couldn't do what I loved. Um, and I, I think that is why it took me by surprise, because I felt like all this work that I had done up until this point of climbing the ladder and working so hard, I thought it's all gone. And I thought because I had no line of sight, I didn't even know when I would get my immigration and I didn't know when I could start working again. And it was a really difficult period of my life because um, I remember I often described as being like I felt like so stripped of everything in my life. I felt very exposed, very raw, very naked. I was like, I didn't know what I was doing because 
I realized, and you know, through this time period, I continued chanting, Nam Yeho Renge Kyo. And eventually I realized um, that, you know, this understanding came from my life that I had put so much of my worth on external things my whole life. My whole life, I felt valued if I had a job, if I had the money, if I could travel, if I had friends. And this one time that I was really confronted with just my own existence, like I have no job, I have, you know, no money, I was in a new land, I had no way of making friends, you know, because no one's really going out uh, as such. And I felt like the question now came, do you still believe you're capable? Do you now believe in your potential? Do you still believe, you know, in Buddhism, we say that we're a Buddha, you know, mm-hmm. we believe in our Buddhahood, um, which basically, be- which basically a very easy like translation is, do you believe that you're capable if you're a Buddha, right? That's, that's just like the, you know, easier way to kind of translate that and to read that. And I realized the answer was no. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, um, you know, that is what I needed to really change, you know, in my life during that time period. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that is why that, you know, one and a half year of unemployment was such a, you know, difficult phase for me because not only was I not employed, but I realized these things about myself during that time that made me feel like, oh, wow, there is, you know, so much more human revolution or transformation that I still need to undergo to believe in my potential when I don't have anything. It's so easy to believe when you have a job. It's so easy to believe when you have, you're going into work. But the moment that gets taken away, the question is, oh, do I still believe it? And when it's no, then you understand, oh, this this this, this is deeper. This, this unemployment is actually come into my life to show me something about myself. It's not about not having the job. It's about the way I feel about not having that job. Mm. Yeah, that's really well put, actually, because uh, you're touching on like something that I think few of us have the opportunity to ever examine ourselves on, you know, because when I completely know what you mean, like when when you have things to show for for yourself, then you feel good. Like I'm I've done this. I've accomplished that. This is my routine. You don't have to think too much. And then when um, especially something you've worked really hard to build is uh, suddenly lost in you know for whatever reason it can be debilitating um if if you don't mind i i want to kind of just to be practical again for the sake of people listening who might be new to buddhism um walk through like the steps on how then one does what you just described like this human revolution or inner transformation when you're in the depths of that kind of place um because it's like it's not easy right so that period of time for instance um day to day, like what is using your Buddhist practice look like? So you chant Nam Yeho Renge Kyo. What are you even chanting about? What's going through your mind? And then like, what kind of action can you take if your hands are kind of tied in that situation? It sounds like. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, you know, important to understand like about even Nam Yeho Renge Kyo is that, um, you know, Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, it's like, it's like a doorway to the universe. That's how I look at it. It's like it puts you in rhythm with the entire universe. Um, and then, you know, so whenever you're chanting, whenever I was chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, for me, it was like having a dialogue with the universe. That's, you know, that's how I looked at it. It's like I'm telling everything, uh, you know, because Nam Yoho Renge Kyo is like penetrates everything, I can just open my heart to the to the universe about how I'm feeling. So, I think like my in my day to day, you know, my mornings, I love my morning chanting because I feel like um, one of my leaders always joke with me and be like, you should chant early in the morning. So before your karma and all the negative stuff can wake up in your life, you're already ready to, you know, take it on. (laughs) So I don't know, just always stuck in my head. And I was, you know, always I, you know, woke up and I chanted and whenever I chanted, I opened my heart because during this time, to be very honest with you, all of this sounds really, you know, sometimes it can be like, oh, this is nice and very philosophical. But the truth is it can cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of, you know, self-doubt. So Mm -hmm. every morning I woke up, I expressed very openly about how I was feeling that day. Some days were good. Some days, you know, were not. So I openly expressed myself. And after I really expressed myself, I think I would like focus a lot on, uh, you know, what I needed to learn out of this situation, because I kind of quickly realized, you know, in the course of my practice that every situation comes into your life to teach you something about yourself, to enable you to polish some something about yourself. And I feel the moment you learn that it's like the 
the job of that challenge is done. So it just disappears from your life and then you move on and then you kind of achieve victory and then you kind of move on to your next challenge. You know, it's like, mm. it's it's continuing. So I really chanted, like, what do I need to learn? Like, let me learn this quickly about my life so that I can move on and I can win over my situation. And then I think another part is I would always, you know, always be also chanting for others. So I always, you know, sent, um, you know, chanted Nam Yoharengikyo for other people that I knew were also struggling with the same situation, which also kind of is very humbling, but it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not alone in this. You know, there are a lot of other people that are also going through maybe not work situation, but different challenges, you know, in their lives. Um, so, you know, I've got to do this one, take, take one for the team and show that, you know, this, this, this works and, you know, we can all really do this. So, and I think, um, the other part of our practice is, uh, you know, really attending meetings, uh, which is, you know, as you know, Soka Gaka International, you know, we're a community and there are a lot of like practitioners, you know, that we all practice together. So I would go for a lot of meetings and I think I needed to go to those meetings because I needed to hear those words of encouragement. You know, every day was not like my most, you know, positive day. But the moment you went to these meetings and you and a lot of people would share their experiences, how they use the practice to break through certain challenging situations and, you know, listening to their actual proofs of how this practice works made you give you a little bit of hope to go on for the next two days. And then you needed another dose of that hope and then you need to go back. So it was that constant process. So I definitely filled my day up with a lot of these meetings. Also, I had time. So, you know, you know, every time we, you know, you know, it changes. Like today I have a lot of like work. So maybe I can't attend as many of those meetings, but I always, you know, try to make it a point to you know, be there for as many as I can and keep challenging my life. But at the time I filled myself up and um, of course I would take some time for like, like me time. So I, you know, starting a lot of like, I worked out and I went for walks and I did a lot of that as well, because I felt like I needed to take care of myself during that time, uh, spend time with family, you know, again, because they're such great cheerleaders, uh, you know, for you and with your friends. Um, and then I really also studied because I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, you need to understand, you know, how does Nam Yoharengikyo work? Why am I going through this challenge? How do I use this time? And that is all deeply rooted in study. So I think mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, that's how, you know, I was really able to, it wasn't that I woke up feeling positive and I'm going to just absolutely kill it. Today. Like that, that, that was not my attitude. And many days I had to wake up to just really push myself out of bed to chant Nam Yoharengekyo because I knew I needed that just to survive that day. Mm, yeah, completely. I completely understand. And um, I think what you're touching on actually is a really key point that I want to pull out, which is, um, you know, sometimes when we face uh, any kind of obstacle, it can feel like, okay, my happiness will come back when the obstacle is gone. So like when I find the job again, everything will be okay. And I'm just going to be miserable till then. Like that, I feel like is often the Mm. secular way to look at these things. Um, But you just said, you know, uh, like you chanted to know how you can use this time. Like what's the purpose of this time? What can you learn from it? How can you spend that time? Um, Which I think is such an important point in Buddhism because there is always like Buddhism is just cause and effect, right? So there's always a cause we can make at every single moment. And actually like the deeper happiness and fulfillment comes from making those causes once you start doing it. Um, so I'm I'm curious if like in this process, um, there was any kind of like turning point in your own heart, you know, when you felt mm. like, oh, I, yes, I have bad days and good days, but like, actually, I feel different, like something has changed. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes, absolutely. And um, I know what you mean, because when I look back at that time, honestly, yes, it was I, I did get a job. Um, which I will, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about how that happened for me as well. But I got my uh, immigration status in 2021 June, um, and then I got my job in August. So like literally, like like two months later. Uh, but even though that was such a great like victory for me in my life, I don't think that was my true victory. Like out of that mm-hmm. entire situation, I think the fact that I was able to realize, you know, how much of my happiness was dependent on these external factors, and hence that was always going to be a really volatile process for me in my life because it's not going to always be this way. Like there are going to be ups and downs in my life. So I think I, and the fact that I chanted, uh, you know, during that time to believe in my potential and to believe in my mission 
regardless of having a job or not, you know, is what I, that was my turning point because somewhere along, you know, while chanting and while going through this process, at some point in time, I was like, you know, I want to believe in myself. I want to believe in my potential and I want to believe in, in my mission. There is a reason in Buddhism, we talk a lot about mission that, you know, everyone is born for a unique mission, for a unique purpose that only they can fulfill. Otherwise, there was no reason for them to be, you know, to, for, for them to be here. You know, everyone has a unique mission. But unfortunately, no one tells us what that mission is. I wish it was <laughs> written somewhere. It was like, this is your mission in your life. But and so hence, you know, there's also a concept of transforming karma into mission, which means that to change the thing that causes you to suffer the most and to stand up as an example, you know, is your mission. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, you know, um, I really chanted to understand what my mission was. And then I chanted that I want to fulfill it no matter what, you know. And the moment I started chanting in that way, I felt like that job no longer was needed for me to fulfill my mission. Like it, you know, it the the equation changed from, yes, it's great. I need, you know, I, I want to have a job because, you know, we live in a secular world. Of course, we need job. And, you know, I have all sorts of aspirations, big ambitions in my life, but it no longer became that because I don't have a job, I don't have a mission and purpose in my life. Like it wasn't about that. I started believing in it regardless of that. And then I realized like, hey, having that job is just an expression of my mission. Having a relationship is just an expression of my mission. Having, um, you know, this house is again, like an expression. So it meant like the mission stays with me no matter what. And everything that I have in my life is just an expression of that. And that awakening was very liberating. So even when I got that job, I was, of course, really happy. But I felt like my true victory was being able to awaken within the depths of my life to this understanding and this belief that I am worthy and that I will fulfill my mission no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay if it doesn't work out, like in this situation, this moment, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I think being uh, freed from this control, from the clutter, you know, that, that is what I felt like was my true uh, victory. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, beautifully put. If I if I may ask just again, for people who are new to crystallize it, because I I've been to enough Buddhist meetings to know what you're talking about. But like, if you had to just define in layman's terms, what you mean by this, like, I'm going to fulfill my mission, regardless of job or relationship or all these other ways it's expressed, like, what is your mission? How do you view what your mission is? Yeah, so I think in in Buddhism, we say that our mission is really to, um, you know, of course, there's a concept of, you know, course and rufu, which means a world peace or happiness for oneself and others. Mm -hmm. So the way that we look at our mission is that it is that I'm going to accomplish this, this world peace, I'm going to accomplish course and rufu in a unique way in my life, no matter what. So I think that is what we take on as our mission, that I'm going to be happy and I'm going to make sure like the world, like other people are happy no matter what. And the way that I do that becomes my unique mission. So maybe I'm doing that in the way of, oh, by winning at my place of work in this hardcore corporate structure as, um, you know, immigrant woman, you know, I am going to really, you know, show that anyone can do this. And, you know, hence, I'm going to, you know, use that as one of my missions in my life. So I think that is how we view mission or somebody else could view it as, you know, maybe they're a teacher or maybe, you know, they're, um, you know, want to, you know, raise their kids or, you know, so I think the mission can basically come in any aspect. But the core part of that mission is that we want to work towards this common goal in our own unique ways, which is happiness for self and others in our society. And we believe in if if enough people think like that, think about themselves and think about others, then eventually we will be able to accomplish just peace in the world. We'll be able to accomplish world peace. It sounds like a slow process, but it is the the surest and the most fundamental way of like transforming, I think, um, hearts and transforming human beings like at, at, at a fundamental level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's very well put. And um, just to to add on to that, since we've talked about it a lot on the show for those listening, I think like maybe two key words 
to remember that if it's completely new to you are the the happiness for yourself part is your bootability basically right tapping into that and really believing in your unlimited potential as you described um and then the other's part is encouragement which you also described right like you might be going through the depths of suffering on account of whatever circumstance you are facing but the value you can create from that is by using your own life as an example to encourage other people. And then they too can start to try to tap into their bootability or Buddhahood or, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's super helpful because I know it can like be a lot to understand if for those who are listening <laughs> just for the first time <laughs> uh, or even for, you know, those of us who've practiced for a while, it's like hard to remember all of this when you're going through it. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Um, it- took me many many years to um understand and of course now it feels like oh I you know understand these concepts but it took me so many years to you know really understand you know some of these concepts and how they're really working you know in the depths of my life yeah 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 me too it's ongoing (laughs) um but that actually is a great segue to my next question which is um do you have any favorite buddhist quotes or concepts or anything that related to this topic that like has helped you understand, you know, a little bit more deeply along the way? Yeah, actually, um, I want to say like there are two that I really, you know, hung on to when I was going through, uh, you know, different sort of situations in my life. I've been through (laughs) a lot of work stuff, relationship, I think just like overall, like, you know, many different things. And, you know, one of them that I really love is uh, become the master of your mind rather than let your mind master you. And uh, Mm -hmm. that has been something that I always, it's it's actually on my altar, like what I chant, Uh, you know, I have it written over there as well as a reminder because I feel like, uh, you know, it's so easy. We don't realize when our, our thoughts are like controlling us and making us suffer. It's basically our mind and the mind can like change moment to moment. So, which I think all experience is like we, one moment we're all fine and feeling positive about life. And the next moment we're just like, oh, this is never going to work out for me. So I think like just, you know, that, that is one thing that I've kept close to my heart. And even when I, and I think when you chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, essentially that is what you're trying to do as well. You're trying to, you know, bring out your Buddhability or you're trying to bring out, you know, your, your highest self that is, you know, not impacted by external circumstances because of the reserves of like courage and wisdom that you have in your life. And so you can operate from that point and not let your mind really control you. So mm-hmm. that is like one thing that I've, you know, I just, I love that concept. I, you know, remind myself about it every day. Um, and the second one that I really uh, like is actually another quote in Buddhism, which says, uh, and I'll explain this a little bit. It says, a blue fly, if it clinges to the tail of a thoroughbred horse, can travel 10,000 miles. And the green ivy that twines around the tall pine can grow to a thousand feet. You know, it basically means a blue fly is like an ordinary fly, you know, which can only, you know, go to a certain distance. But if it says if it like, you know, clinches on to the tail of a thoroughbred horse that can like run so fast, you know, it too can run at the same pace as that thoroughbred horse. And so I feel like when, um, you know, when I you know, attach myself or when I'm chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, then maybe, you know, maybe me, I might not be able to do it as as much because I feel like, oh, I don't have the potential, I don't have the capability, you know, because sometimes the gap between our reality and our goals and our dreams is so vast that it makes you feel like, oh, this is never going to happen. Like, and then, and I think because of society, we sometimes, you know, also put some pressure on ourselves with age, like, oh, this is what I should have been in my 30s or this is what I should have done, you know, by this age. And though I think combined with all of that, you now that gap starts increasing even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, it's almost like you can accelerate your life to move at a pace that you wanted to move regardless of the having this job in this moment or not, being unemployed. To give you an example, um, you know, I, when I went through that, my phase of unemployment, you know, when I came over here, I think one of the thoughts in my head was always, oh, you know, one, one and a half years is gone. You know, who's going to want to employ me? I don't have experience in the US. Um, You know, what if I can't even remember what I did in my previous job, you know, all of these thoughts, right? So in my head, I'm thinking that, 
um, I will have to maybe take a step down. I will have to take less salary. I'll have to, you know, step down my designations. And I was also somewhere becoming comfortable with that idea that, you know, I might have to do it. But when mm. I was chanting, Nam you know, that's one of the things that I made is I made a concrete goal. You know, I said, you know, no, I'm not going to do this. You know, this is a salary I want to start. This is the kind of company I want to join. You know, I made really concrete goals that at that time to me seemed impossible. But, you know, to be very honest with you, Jihi, when I um, interviewed and this was like two months after I got my immigration status and this was like the fourth or the fifth interview that I was actually giving. And it's almost like the interviewers in the course of like five rounds and panel discussions, no one ever asked me, what were you doing for the last one and a half years? And I almost felt like it was strange. I was like, why didn't you want to ask me what I was doing? Or no one ever, um, like, it's almost like none of that mattered. And I actually uh, got this, you know, I started my job at the salary that I everything written on, you know, my, uh, when I was chanting on the, my goal card, whatever I had written, you know, I exactly started at that point. And then it struck me in my head again for this quote that, Yes, maybe I might have felt like incapable or might have felt like the gap is too much. But because I chant Nam Yoko Renge Kyo, I can, you know, achieve things, you know, beyond my comprehension because now I'm like attaching myself, you know, to this great, um, uh, you know, teaching or this, you know, this powerful teaching. So and that's mm-hmm. happened to me a couple of times, you know, uh, in my life. So anytime, even today that I feel like, oh, wow, it's, you know, I have goals like towards 2030 or if I have goals towards I think we all have visions of where we want to be when we're 40 and 50. And and now instead of feeling like, oh, I can't do this, I just remind myself that, oh, if I continue like chanting, maybe it doesn't happen in the way that I want it to, but eventually I will get there, you know. Mm. So that's why I really like this particular uh, quote as well. Yeah, I love that. And actually it, it, uh, it reminds me or it connects back to what we were talking about earlier with the um, the piece about protection in that initial job right because uh, it's like you know I'm just thinking of how you explained mission and like it's such a beautiful way to understand why we are we receive protection or you end up in the right place for your life it's because you've dedicated yourself to something that's far greater than just like I need a job for me to pay the bills and that's it it's like it's much more like I want to use my life as an example so like this is an example of me not being discouraged or this is an example of me killing it at work or you know and it's like for the sake of other people not just yourself so I love that yeah no absolutely I think I think if I was basing it only for myself and for my job and I think I would have given up a long time ago but you know every time that I felt that way I just reminded myself that you know, I need to do this so that I can be an example that, you know, anyone that's struggling with getting a job in a certain time can do it because I can, you know, it's almost like once you do it, you've proved you're, you're an actual proof and an example that anyone can do it, you know, so, you know, that kind of gives you the the strength and brings out, like, I feel like a hundred times more strength from within your life to keep going and to keep trying no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, so I always like to to wrap things up practically. And so um, I want to ask my closing question. I feel like you've already covered so much of this. Um, but for anybody who is listening who might be new to chanting and currently are facing, um, you know, a tough job situation, whether it's a tough job market or maybe they've lost their job or they're fearful they're going to or they too are facing a, you know, waiting on visa situation or whatever it might be. For someone who's kind of in the depths of a job-related struggle, what one piece of advice would you give them? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I really, you know, would say, because I've been through that same situation myself, is to just just continue chanting, nam myo ho renge kyo. Um, and if, if if you haven't tried it, please try it, you know, so that you can, you know, test this for yourself. If you're already, you know, maybe dabbling and, you know, trying it, uh, you know, please continue. Because I feel in this case, like consistency is the key to breaking through. And, you know, initially it might not like, you know, it might not be very 
you know, an enjoyable experience because I feel like it's also like training your life, right? It's it's like going to the gym. You know, the first day that you go to the gym, you know, it's not a very exciting experience. But if you continue doing that consistently and then you look back over time, you're like, oh, wow, I was really able to transform, you know, my physical appearance. And so there are days that you might have to kick yourself out of bed. There are days that, you know, you said, oh, this, you know, uh, you know, I'm doing so much. Where is the impact? I don't see it. But eventually you will. And I think this is like a spiritual workout. So, you know, if you continue doing it and there might be questions that you might have along the way, and that's fine. You know, please have those questions. But just, you know, continue because at the end of the day, you'll be able to break through and achieve victories beyond how you even comprehended it. And the second thing I would say is while you're doing it, please make goals, you know, have some concrete goals, you know, while you're doing it. So if you're struggling with, you know, a job situation or a visa situation, maybe any other situation, I think having like that clarity of like goal, um, I think is important. And if you don't, then just have the goal to have clarity, you know, so even <laughs> you know that can be a goal. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two things that I feel when I look back is what really enabled me to continue moving because, you know, struggles happen at every phase in life. But I remember, you know, I always remind myself of this one um, quote that uh, one of my friends had shared with me. And, you know, she all looked at me and said, you know, Mehul, we're, you know, practicing this, you know, chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo and practicing this philosophy, not to, for the mountains in our lives to disappear, but for us to become great mountain climbers. So, and I feel like that is something that I remind myself that challenges are always going to come in different phases in life. But what is really important is that we become really good at like facing them and overcoming them. On this note, I want to leave you with the following words from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda, which reiterates what Mehul just shared and can be applied to any kind of life challenge, particularly when things aren't going as we hoped. Ikeda writes, Be patient and persevere, putting down solid roots and creating the cause for more fortunate circumstances to present themselves in the future. Faith is about putting down solid roots of happiness in the soil of our present reality. Eventually, sprouts will appear, and flowers will begin to bloom in beautiful profusion, signaling the arrival of a spring of victory and success. As always, if you're new to chanting, we have plenty of resources to get started at foodability.org. And if you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.